morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle. Morning Mon, what are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful for paint. Paint? I just love Have you been stuff. painting again? Yeah, yeah, Monday nights. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's just the... So last week you I were thankful for painting. It. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. week you're thankful for paint. Straight up paint. L- the week before you were paint, you were thankful for acrylic. Next week I'll be thankful for canvas and then paintbrushes after that. And <laughs> I could go on for a long time. I you're, just you're love as bad it, as me. You're working your way through your paint workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, it's just, I, I just love it so much. It's like one of the highlights of my week. And it's really cool because even if I have like a headache or a backache or something, I just start painting and everything just melts away. It's just so nice. That's yes, awesome. Yesterday we had to paint a beach scene, like a, a beachscape. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing because like, she shows you the painting you're going to do and you look at that and you're like, there is no way I'm going to be able to paint something that looks that good. But then the teacher just takes you through it step by step. At the end of it, you look at it you're like, oh my goodness, I painted something that looks that good. <laughs> 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 it's really cool. Do you ever get to paint anything real like, you know, like a truck or something? Dude, what do you mean? Beaches are real. Beaches are realer oh, okay. than trucks. <laughs> we painted a bird on a, on a branch and then we painted a mountainscape, um, one where I snuck Table Mountain into mine. And then today we did a beach and then next week we're doing a vase of flowers. I feel like I've missed one, but I've forgotten. And anyway. Then after that, then the, the course class is, is completed. Over. Then, then and I you've can... never painted a single solitary truck the whole time. I have a very good friend who's a truck painter. Okay. And he paints trucks, like as in murals and all that kind of stuff, and big, like, four by eight foot. So he paints on the truck as opposed to doing a painting? No, no. Well, truck. he'll paint on a truck, but he'll do a painting of a truck. Oh, that's cool. He does trucks. He does aeroplanes. He does a few trains. Um, yeah, very, very um, well-known artist within his circles. Well, I might have something ready to submit to the... Annual Maitland Arts and Craftsmanship Festival Ooh, this year. So very yeah. excited. So everyone stay tuned. That That's is cool. coming up uh, next month and you are all welcome to attend and to submit. Uh, all submissions are welcome. It's at Maitland Seventh-day Adventures Church, I think on the 19th of September. But yeah, stay okay. tuned. Great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or you. Use the TuneIn Radio app. This is Anna Beaton with Better Day featuring Sydney Wolverton. Like it's time to revitalize 
Back everybody, that was Anna Beaton with Better Day uh, here on Faith wow, FM. Wow, what are you grateful for? I totally talked the whole time about pain. Junk, junk. <laughs> You're starting to get that that into that into it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I am. It's bitten you. You're right. It's the addictive. bug has bitten you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Walking around my yard, taking photos with my phone of junk. <laughs> yeah, yep. and posting it on Facebook and Gumtree. Uh-huh. What you got to do now is get a jar and and all the money you make from it. Let's like, get in a jar and don't touch it. And once everything's sold. Then you go through and see how much you got, and then that bug will bite you even bigger. Oh, I, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, it's all going in one place. It should go in. The, it should it's go actually, in. It's going in two places. No, no, no. It needs to go in one place. It needs to go in the money tin I gave you to prepare for my 40th. It needs to go in the Trans Siberian <laughs> Railway tin. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's not a bad idea. But it's going in one place. I'm also keeping a record on my phone um, of each day's worth of sales. Oh, yeah, you are obsessed. Look so, at you. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. even more than what I do. You're gone. <laughs> Lyle's, Lyle's junk selling adventures, courtesy of Gumtree and market, Marketplace, Facebook, Facebook Marketplace, whatever it is. I don't have Facebook. So I haven't added it up yet, but I'm doing all right. Oh, yeah, you are doing all right. Add those numbers together. You're 
you definitely don't need to um, use your salary to pay for your groceries. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to... Uh, so not- go the whole year selling junk. Yeah, not so much just selling junk, but pay for all my food this year from selling, yeah, selling stuff on Gumtree, which is a way of like, um, forcing me to embrace minimalism a bit more and step away from materialism and to just clear out my junk and, and try and just streamline that. But also like, you know, it's a great motivator, hunger. (laughs) But yeah, doing all right so far. Have you missed a meal yet? No, and in fact, in about 18 minutes, another person is coming to this studio right now to pick up something <laughs> and <buy> from me. <laughs> but it's great because, you know, you do, you, you go your first round, your obvious stuff for you that you want to get rid of. And then when you finish, you sit there and you start like, you know, drumming your fingers and you're like, hmm, actually, do you know what? I could probably sell that too. I probably wouldn't miss that. And like, it's like all these different layers just start coming off and you realize how much stuff you have that you actually don't really need. To, not even just to survive. You don't even need it to just to be happy. Like you can, you can actually survive with so little. Anyway, no, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a cleansing process. It is. It you is. It's great. Feel good. Lyle, yesterday yes. we talked. Oh, hang on. Before we talk about this, let me give you our breakfast quiz. This is a who am I quiz. First clue is this: I made Ish Bosheth, Bosheth, king of all Israel. I made Ish. Bosheth, king of all Israel. If you know the answer, which Lyle doesn't seem to because he looks very confused right well, now. Well, there's a couple of different options for that. How is there a couple of different options for that? Only one person made that person king of well, all Israel. Well, it could be the priest who be very careful. or the general who gave him the political power. Do you even know the priesthood name? This is a who I am know I the general's quiz. name. Well, try that one. Give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Excuse me, one eight hundred three two four eight four three. You can text your guests to zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. By the way, if you get it wrong, that's fine. You don't actually have to, you know, count yourself out. You can just keep guessing. Lyle has it correct. It is that general, but let's not say any more because I'm scared you're going to give it away. That was also an extra clue in there, the fact that he's a general. Um, Lyle, yesterday yes. we talked about what kids want from their parents, and it was a bit of an eye opener. Because they mostly just want more time. Yeah, that's right. That was a yeah. cool story. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm not finished with that whole theme. Um, so in about two weeks' time, it's Father's Day. and uh, Ooh, maybe I should put my list in. Yeah, well, I've got a list already for you. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> because they've done, a, they've done oh, some... What do fathers want? Yeah, they've done a study and they, they said this is what fathers actually really want for Father's Day. Because uh-huh. you know how like just around about now, probably even earlier... You go to the, the shopping centers and they're just full of like, here, buy a razor and some shavers and this hat and a stubby holder and all this junk and your dad will love it. And like, <laughs> the dads have spoken. They don't want more junk. No, we don't. I have a razor. I don't drink stubbies. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you drink. Do you drink stubbies or is stubby something you put your drink in? I don't know. Listen a stubby to- holder is like the thing that, oh, yeah, right, that, right, that keeps right. the drink cool and your hands warm. Okay. While you're drinking your stubby. Okay. And Aren't they also a pair of shorts? On occasions, I could probably think of a useful one for a ginger beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's I don't, like once I don't, a year. <laughs> I don't, that's right. I don't even drink sugary drinks anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
My well, wife, my wife got tested for something the other day. I can't remember what, but they did a you know, a blood sugar, like a diabetes mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. test while they're at it, mm-hmm. and she just 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 like ballparked it. <laughs> the, the doctor was like, "What on earth is this?" <laughs> I don't think she'd ever seen anyone so healthy in all her life. <laughs> nice <laughs> sugar sugar free blood. That's all you should have. That's it. Yeah, sweetness should be in your personality, not in your blood. Um, well, don't even bother with mugs or socks either, because they're just they're just not even registering on a dad's radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so absolutely. This, this is great. This is great. Um, <laughs> Whoever comes up with these ideas in the first place, anyway. So um, it turns out that more than seventy six percent of dads prefer an experience over a physical gift for Father's Day. Yep, I'd go with that. And you know the simple gift that they want the most. This is gonna. This made me cry a little bit. On the inside, they want a simple phone call. That's the number one thing. Fifty-seven percent of dads um, said that actually it's their favorite time, favorite favorite day of the year, uh, because they get a call from their kids. Um, hmm. They're very easy to please. Thirty-eight um, percent of dads said they could really just go s- with some peace and quiet. <laughs> oh, that is such a that is such a go to just just to like I just want some peace and a quiet. day yeah in the nothing box. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. day in the nothing box. A day of some shush. <laughs> and that's, then, that's like a man's dr- dream right there. That's, and then one in three said that they would they would love to just be able to watch TV, watch whatever they want on TV. So not just watching TV, but be able to watch whatever they want on TV. They just want the remote control for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dads. Um, you, know, you know, having control of the remote control is the same as being in your nothing box because when you have the remote control, you don't actually watch anything. Yeah. You just change channels. Yeah, you, do. <laughs> you don't watch anything. It's just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, your brain click. turns to soup. Yep. Yeah. So, Not I best. mean, four in 10 of them, so 41% that they actually would appreciate a big juicy steak for Father's Day. We suggest maybe uh, maybe a salad, um, <laughs> maybe salad and some pasta. Um, they want to go to a sporting event that also scored really highly. Um, 38% they said that sound like a perfect treat was to go to some sort of sporting event. But 64% of dads um, agree that they specifically don't want anything that says world's best dad on it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I don't even want to see the words world. Just if you're going to give your dad something that says world best dad, make sure it's just the greeting card and nothing else. No T-shirts, no socks, no mugs that say world's best dad. Um, so 79% they would, they would, they'd really appreciate um, sitting down for a meal with the dad, with the kids and everyone over food. Uh, but if it's a cookout, to, to stay away from the grill because um, dads agree that if someone's going to be grilling or barbecuing, it's going to be them. So that's the rules. If there's going to be a barbecue, the dad does the barbecue. He wants the remote control. Not in my home. The, and he wants the tongs. <laughs> not in my home. And uh, I'm going to... I'm Anything gonna, to do with cooking, that would not be Father's Day. So here, here's a list. Here's a list. Top 10 gifts, Lyle, that dads want for Father's Day this year. And um, one of them, by the way, is uh, you should maybe try laughing at their dad jokes to cheer them up. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. So number one, number dad one. the best. I came up with a really good dad joke. Yesterday, and I'm just waiting for the right opportunity oh, to use mess. it. Oh, Is it now? Is it <laughs> no, time? No, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, right okay. Top ten things. Number one. On radio is not going to be the, the right opportunity for that. Dad number joke. one thing that dads want: a phone call from their kids. Number two, a big juicy steak, uh, maybe a plant-based steak. Uh, yes, plant-based, definitely. Number three, peace and quiet. Number four, going for a uh, sporting, going to a sporting event with the family. 
uh, number I can't even count right now. Five, uh, getting a nice cold drink with your family. Uh, number six, a cheaper practical gift. Um, so maybe like a tie or something, you know, just cheap, practical, nothing that says world's best dad, nothing with too much frou fire about it. Uh, number six, um, some quiet time. Uh, number seven, uh, watch whatever they want on TV. Number eight, um, some time in the man's den. I think that's... <laughs> Another way of saying quiet time and a home-cooked meal. And lastly, a physical expensive gift like an Apple Watch. So gadgets. That's the only thing really. It's the only actual thing like as you go and buy something. Yeah. Gadget. Yeah, gadgets. Gadgets. Which is where where when you go to the shop, you'll see them trying to push that kind of stuff, gadgets and so forth. So there you go, folks. Dads are actually super easy to please. Electric razor is not a gadget. Yeah. Isn't it? No. It's just a tool. Okay. Well, there you go. Super easy to please. Pretty cheap. How to keep your dad happy. Just give him a call. Cook him some food. Take him out for the day. Basically like a woman, really. The rocks at the edge of the water. Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee. That all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. God told Joshua to lead his people. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will never leave or forsake you, but set the people free. Uh, Joshua spoken to his people, said, uh, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you, and you will surely be blessed. Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water, memorial of the miracles he gave to thee, that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. Priest can the ark of the covenant to the raging Jordan side. Brave and courageous, they stepped in the water and got work before their eyes. The water stopped flowing, the riverbed dry, they all crossed to the other side. Twelve men back to the middle of the river, carrying rocks to remember by. Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water, memorial of the miracles he gave to thee. That all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. God's still with us in this world of trouble Gives miracles every day Has he worked in your life, brother? Have you shown it in some way? Well, are you stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water? Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee That all the people of the earth might remember That the hand of the Lord's mighty Stacking up the the rocks at the edge of the water Miracles he gave to thee, that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. So that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That was Balsam Range with Stacking Up the Rocks. You're listening to Faith FM, and we're going to look at some uh, slightly more serious subjects right now. But before we do, another clue, clue for our number quiz. number two. I brought David to King Saul after he had killed Goliath. Hmm. Who might that be if you know the answer? Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call.
Okay, so a number of different uh, stories coming up in the news this morning. One is um, one is a news story that I missed the first time it came around, and that was a uh, terrorist attack on a mosque in Oslo in Norway. And the individual who's the perp- perpetrator of that particular attack has just landed himself, uh, has just had his first court appearance um, overnight. And so that raises a number of questions because, uh, first of all, uh, we, the, uh, where did I write this down? I got some notes on this. The U.S. National Counterterrorism Center's former director, Nick Rasmussen, has highlighted the growing threat from right-wing terrorism. So for the last 20 years, we've been suffering from, you know, Islamic terrorism, that kind of thing. And now we're starting to see the backlash. Mm. And so uh, Muslims and immigrants are being targeted by right-wing groups. Um, Yeah, and so, yeah, it's starting to be a major problem. But what is interesting about this Norway attack, and maybe one of the reasons why we haven't heard so much about it, I kind of missed it when it came through on the news, maybe I was in the outback, was that uh, Philip uh, Manchaus, um, he entered the Al-Nur Islamic Center in Oslo, armed with several guns, and didn't kill a single person. Really? He fired one shot, and a 65-year-old worshipper charged him, tackled him to the ground, got his guns off him, and held him down until the police arrived. Wow. So that guy's a serious hero. Yes, 65-year-old boss. Absolutely. Far out. Because, I mean, how many times have we heard this story over and over and over yeah. again? You know, a mosque gets sh- sh- shot up, a church gets shot up. And I think the natural reaction is in those kind of environments is run. Mm-hmm. There does tend to be a, an every man for himself kind of attitude that often takes over. People get trampled, people get tripped over. Um, whereas in this case, you had one person who turned around and said, you know what? I'm going to run towards the attacker rather than from away from the attacker. Because, you know, the reality is that if you've got 60, 80, I don't know, 100, 300 people in a room, the doors are only a certain size. Mm. And those doors are going to get very quickly clogged, which just makes one massive target for a shooter to shoot into. Yeah. it's just It just becomes a mass of bodies as they try and pile out the other end, you know, through the... Uh, through the escape route that is available. And, yeah, this guy was like, no, I'm not going to run for the door. And charged the guy and tackled him down. So, yeah, good on him. Um, he's, he's a hero who needs, to, um, who needs to be remembered because if it wasn't for him, we would probably be hearing a story of X amount of people killed in a mosque. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this, this brings up an interesting discussion that I was actually having on the weekend over the issue of... Is religion the problem? Um, someone was making the statement that religious practice, the more religious practice that takes place within your community, the more likely you are to be shot in a case of domestic terrorism. Really? Mm, that was that. That was so. I thought I'd do some research on that and thought, okay, what are our what, what, you know? Because religion has unquestionably been violent. Was and that just is someone this surmising? Really, the case. Okay, yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Is there research behind this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is religion the problem? And if we had no religion, would our world be a safer place? There's no way. Okay, so I did some, uh, did some, did some research to uh, have a look at that. And um, yeah, there's, some, there's some fairly crazy stats out there. Uh, this one was interesting. In the last 10 years, um, from October 
31, 2010 to April 21, 2019, there were 2,445 casualties that occurred amongst worshippers in attacks on places of worship. Okay. Um, 2,374 of those were the result of Muslim aggressors, and the other 71 had no religion reported. Mm-hmm. And so that other 71, of course, that's the, the start of the backlash um, that you're seeing you know, places like New Zealand and Norway and, and, and so forth. Um, and so that's definitely a problem, and most of those, the majority of those, have been Muslim-on-Muslim Muslim attacks, so Muslims attacking mosques, you know, Shia Shiites attacking Sunnis and, and yeah. this kind of thing. But there is definitely uh, an issue there, and you could look at that and say, well, you know, um, this is a problem with religion. However, the question that comes up in my mind is this. 97% of the population of the world identify... As, in fact, this is, a, this is a point that my wife made. 97% of the world identify as religious. So is it possible to have an attack that can't be pinned on religion. Pretty small. Only yeah, 3% of people that, you know, could potentially launch an attack are non-religious. In other words, atheist. Yeah. In their um, attitude and their approach. And so pretty much any attack that takes place, it's like, oh, religion's the problem because that person was religious. I see. Okay. So the, even though the, their manifesto, so to speak, might not mention anything about religion, they're being pegged yeah. as being religious because... Okay, right. Yeah, so for instance, you look at the New Zealand attacks in Christchurch and uh, don't remember the guy's name, don't want to remember it, um, wouldn't mention it even if I did remember it. Um, but, you know, there's no religion reported in relationship to him. But a lot of people, you know, grew up in an Anglican or a Catholic mm-hmm. school system or whatever and would identify as being religious. Can you pin it on the Catholic Church or the Anglican Church uh, because... You know, that's what somebody that's a identifies question. as. Because you could argue at both sides. You could say, oh, Mon had a car accident. She's a terrible driver because she's a Christian. It's like almost saying, putting them together. But then on the other hand, you could say, well, religion should be a solution to that. She should have learned not to go around shooting people. So is it religion? Oh, absolutely. Is absolutely. Religion responsible religion, yeah. there? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, so um, so that's, that's, that's one interesting point to look at. Another, uh, and, it's, and these are only part of the equation. Um, now, Christianity has been the most violent religion that's ever existed. Between uh, 538 and 1798, Christianity was responsible for about 50 million deaths. Yeah. Uh, so, so Christian governments during that period were responsible for 50 million deaths, averaging 39,682 deaths per year. That's a lot. It's a huge amount. It's a huge figure. Between, and that was a period of 1,260 years that that was averaged over. Uh, between 1798... And 2019, anti-religious governments have been responsible for 96.24 million deaths, averaging just under half a million per year. Okay. So, which would you be? Would you? Which would you prefer? Um, just under forty thousand per year, or just under half a million per year? Which one is more dangerous, religion? Or non-religion. Yeah, non-religion for sure. You know, there's a very, very powerful argument that you've got right there. And then, of course, you have, uh, you know, uh, bad religion. Um, and this is another interesting stats on uh, World War II. Um, uh, prisoner of war mortality rates. Okay, so um, prisoners of war held in, in, um, in Great Britain uh, with, with a Protestant background had a mortality rate of 0.03%. 
they were safer than the general population. Um, held in the United States, which has an evangelical background, uh, zero, you know, predominantly, uh, these are predominant uh, religions, 0.15%, a little bit higher than Great Britain because they had to do the Atlantic crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, held by Germany, which was predominantly social Darwinism, 26.7%. That's a bit of a jump. Yeah. Uh, held by the Soviets, social atheism, 35.8%. Held by Japan, Shinto Buddhism, 40.4%. When you look at that, there is a massive contrast. Mm. You know, statistics and research is very nonpartisan in nature. Yeah. It it doesn't play favorites. It just reveals what is. Yeah, it doesn't care. Um, it, it doesn't care. And so when you look at that, what, what, is, what really jumps out and what really stands out to me is yes, Religious people have done terrible things, and many of those terrible things have been done in the name of religion, um, and and for the purpose of persecution. But non-religious governments are infinitely worse. Mm. Oh, so many interesting things we could talk about this morning. I got a whole story here on the Arctic being on fire. Um, and creating a cloud of smoke bigger than the European Union. Are you serious right now? Absolutely. And uh, all the effects that, of course, is having on our atmosphere. But it's going to have to wait for another day. This is the Isaacs, the one I'm dying for.
Welcome back, everybody. That was the Isaacs, the one I'm dying for here on Faith FM. Uh, and we have another clue coming up for our quiz. Clue number three in vengeance. Joab killed me. Who am I? Who did Joab kill in vengeance? 1-800-324-843 is the number to call if you know the answer to that question. But we're heading to our interview of the day now. And joining us on the phone is one of our semi-regulars here, Dr. John Ashton. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, all. Now, Dr. John Ashton, we've uh, been talking about um, your book, Evolution Impossible, um, available from all good bookstores, available online, available through uh, Better Books and Foods, and talking about basically working our way through this uh, chapter by chapter and looking at some of the reasons why evolution is impossible. This week, we're looking at uh, the, the, the subject of you know, the historical evidence for a worldwide flood. Now, I thought that, or maybe some of our listeners thought that the only historical evidence we had for a worldwide flood would be the Genesis story uh, that we find in the Bible. Is there more to it than just the Genesis story? Well, yes. Uh, Many of the uh, cultures around the world have accounts of a worldwide flood that was sent by um, the gods in, in most of their cases, of course, they were polytheistic religions um, or, or, or cultures, and that um, the gods sent the floods because mankind had essentially become wicked and so the flood was sent to destroy the wicked people and that there were only a few survivors and they survived in a boat of, of some kind. And... This is, pardon me, in my view, very, very powerful evidence that the biblical account is a true history. And I think this is very important because, you know, today we have, uh, you know, a number, a growing number of people that know very little about the Bible. Um, There's, you know, popular uh, opinions that, the, the Bible is largely, you know, a myth, uh, just a, a religious myth that was made up at some time, whereas in actual fact now we have, uh, you know, quite uh, strong historical evidence that the Bible is, um, and particularly Genesis, is a historical account of the early history of the world. And one of the other interesting factors that comes out when we look at these other accounts that have been preserved in many different ways, the biblical account is the one that is scientifically and engineering uh, and geologically most realistic. Right, so if we look at some of the other ones uh, that have come down, some of the other flood accounts that have come down through to us through history, uh, you mentioned five points here that they all have in common um, that God was the one who instigated that, that there was a flood of water, that it was as a result of wickedness on the earth, there were few survivors and a boat was used to survive. Um, you know, when we, when, we, when we put all of that together, um, it does sort of, you know, give us a, a, an indication that something big did happen, but some of these accounts you would say would be more mythical and a lot less scientific than the biblical account? 
Yes, that's right. So, I mean, in, in the past, we've talked about the massive sedimentary deposits worldwide. Yes. That show that the world was covered with um, water. So there, there's no no dispute about this. You know, a massive extinction event at the end of the Cretaceous, and there are several other extinction events that involved a worldwide catastrophic um, deposition of water worldwide. So. The big contention is with uh, the secular worldview um, is that these events occurred millions of years before humans had, in their view, evolved. So what we have in actual fact now is passed down historical records that were passed down by people who uh, observed that happening or that, you know, they're carrying the events that were passed down through their families of what had happened before. Now, these histories were recorded by, um, you know, uh, by, you know, stand historians. For example, um, I think it was um, the Dr. Lemming at uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, and he's a, a professor of uh, literature there. And he and um, his wife, who was a research student, did um, a massive amount of work correlating the uh, the history of different cultures. So they weren't specifically looking for evidence for the flood story. They were just um, correlating the uh, traditions that had been passed down in cultures around the world. And one of the traditions that they looked at um, was the flood tradition. They also looked at creation tradition, traditions as well. There were a lot of creation traditions. And so these, um, so this is a lot of scholarly work has been done. And, uh, other scholars, um, in other parts of the world have again come up with, uh, the same sort of conclusions that these cultures from, you know, ancient times preserved this, um, record why do you think the bible version is more scientific um and, and you know i guess uh has more scientific legitimacy to it than the other versions what makes it different oh, well because it's real <laughs> because it's it, it's correct and so you know it is a very accurate account so we know that the jews were very careful in preserving the the writings of the the ancient prophets and of course Moses writing and so Moses was writing you know under the in inspiration of God. And one of the things that uh, I guess we can remember too is that Noah uh, was uh, still alive during the time of Abraham and um, the um, uh, uh, Shem was still alive uh, sorry, Noah was still alive during the time of Abraham's father and Shem was still alive during the time of Abraham. Um, the other thing that we have, of course, is the naming of the towns and the cities uh, in the uh, Middle East and also, um, you know, such as Sidon and Canaan and land of Canaan, Egypt. You know, it's named after one of um, um, uh, Noah's grandsons. Um, Mizraim. So, uh, Egypt is just the, uh, the Greek, uh, translation of, of Mizraim. Matter of fact, I have an Encyclopedia Botanica, an old one, which has an atlas. And on the map, Egypt isn't named Egypt, it's named Mizra. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So people, you know, don't realise this, that these towns were actually named after the descendants of, of Noah. Mm-hmm. And now- that's a very powerful, you know, e- evidence that in actual fact these people were real, real people. Sure. If we look at the world in large geographical areas, um, how universal is the flood story? Um, is it found in all parts of the world? Oh, yes. And this is the, the other, uh, you know, very important account that uh, the uh, tribes in North America, the Indian tribes there in Central America, the tribes in South America, um, uh, Indigenous Australians, Australian Aboriginal uh, people, particularly in the northern part of Australia, um, and of course uh, in Europe, in Asia, um, in South Africa. Matter of fact, the ancient Chinese uh, scripts that were used um, had um, uh, characters that represented for example, you know, the, the flood and, and so forth. Their, their language, they had a pictorial language and part of the words, like I think for flood and so forth, uh, was sort of like a boat with eight people in it, this sort of, of thing. And that uh, research has been uh, recorded by some of the people that, that study the, the ancient languages. Hmm. Sure. Well, because we need to remember that the Temple of Heaven in, in China... Uh, which is, uh, you know, one of their historical sites uh, over in China that, you know, Western tourists go to to see. This was a temple to the Creator God, and they actually performed, uh, the, the sacrifices that were performed there were similar to the Abrahamic sacrifices. And so these would have been passed down by Noah. And the, the other tradition, of course, is that the original founder of China was Noah, that Noah actually moved across to where China was. So there's a lot of uh, traditions that actually support the Bible account. Mm. It's interesting because, I mean, I even remember reading history um, of, of um, tribes in Papua New Guinea. You know, you mentioned the temple there in China, but, you know, their, their worship place having a, a, a holy place, a most holy place, a courtyard, a sacred stone in the most holy place, you know, a whole flood story, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that just sort of comes straight out of the Bible. And, you know, these are remote tribes in, 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 in places like Papua New Guinea. Just coming back to uh, Dr. Leeming for a moment um, and his wife, when they were researching various uh, myths and legends that have been passed down through, you know, many different cultures around the world, is the flood story the most universal of those uh, you know, if you look at ones that are, that are universal around the world, is this the most universal story? Oh, with a common theme, uh, most definitely, uh, together with the creation story. Right, mm. yeah. So the creation story along with uh, um, the, the flood story. Now, there are some... Obviously, the Bible account is a very ancient account of the flood story. Um, are there other accounts, written accounts that we have today, that predate Moses? Um, let me think when Moses uh, was. Oh, yes, definitely. Hmm. Yes, okay. So you've got things like the World uh, uh, Blooddell uh, Prism, which is um, kept in uh, Oxford uh, University. So it has a number of the Sumerian king lists, and, of course, they record the uh, mention of the flood is recorded there. Um, also on the... Um, 
Ebla uh, uh, number of tablets that were discovered in um, a library in uh, Nineveh. So, oh yes, many other ancient um, uh, records uh, would record these. So these would go back to about, uh, they would be dated about 2000 BC. So from memory, if we look at Moses, Moses, oh, I can't remember whether it was about... Uh, 1400 BC. Yeah, about 1445 or something. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, so these were uh, accounts that were written then. So, yes, there's a lot of archaeological, you know, preservation of of these accounts. Mm. Now, from a scientific perspective, uh, and and obviously we're we're looking at, um, you know, science. Why do these myths and legends, which, you know, they have five core things in common with each other, but they obviously vary tremendously widely outside of that. Why do they give it, why do they, why do they give the, the, the flood story credibility? Doesn't it undermine the, the story of the credibility of the flood in that they um, also, you know, okay, so they've got some things in common, but they also differ quite widely in other areas? Well, I mean, when you look at some of the areas, I think, for example, the the Greek one has the the couple um, escaping in a in a boat that was a cube, you know, and the, the Indian version has the uh, survivors in a basket that was carried by a fish. Um, these are yeah, we 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 know today, for example, that a cube would be a very unstable shape in water. They, the um, you know and the concept of a basket carried by a fish, um, whereas the description of the ark is a very realistic, it's a very realistic size. I've been to the um, the replica that's been uh, was constructed in Hong Kong uh, near the freeway there from the airport. That is a full size uh, replica, and it you know it's huge. It's a very realistic shape. Uh, I've read studies where, uh, you know, uh, uh, nautical engineers have looked at the shape, the dimensions of the ark, and it's one, you know, similar to a kayak type dimensions that would survive quite well and ride very well in rough water. Uh, these sort of things. The ship is a very, very large ship, and so it would carry um, the different kinds of um, animals. And remember, part of the flood too was. You know, it was miraculous. I mean, the animals were led there by God. It was only the animals that uh, breathed uh, oxygen that were actually air that were, were, were taken on board, these sort of things. So it's a lot of fine detail in the Bible that makes it very realistic as opposed to these other more mythical uh, uh, accounts. But they have been, you know, passed passed down, for example, some of the Indian accounts talk about how the people weren't taking care of their children uh, and have become very bad, very wicked, very immoral, um, the Indian, American Indian uh, accounts. And so when you put all the pictures together, other accounts refer to a, to a rainbow. When you put all of them together, the Bible has the complete picture. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's again in very realistic historical narrative type language as well. The words used, I understand, a number of the words have been studied in Genesis in terms of their usage, and it fits these sort of accounts fit a historical na- narrative as opposed to a, 
a mythical, poetic sort of uh, narrative. Sure. Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That was uh, Dr. John Ashton talking about his book, Evolution Impossible, and in this chapter looking at uh, uh, historical evidence for the Ark, which abounds from all parts of the of the planet, one of the most universal legends uh, that has been passed down to us and comparing it, with, of course, with the Bible account, which is the most uh, scientific um, and credible. We're going to move on with our show. This is uh, Ellie Holcomb. Defined by all the things I've done Afraid my shame would be exposed Afraid of really being known But then you gave my heart a home So I walked out of the darkness and into the light From fear of shame into the hope to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi, my name is Pastor BJ, and I'd like to invite you to join us at Bunbury Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are a vibrant church community that meets every Sabbath at 9.30am for Bible study, 
followed by a worship service at 11am. There are a number of groups that meet throughout the week where we eat, share and study the Bible together, including groups for families and young people. For more information, please contact me on 0422-896-553. That's 0422-896-553. And the law is right And it's written by God in soul The law is love And the law is life And it's written by God in soul I will follow His commandments I'll abide in For His law is my delight It's written down in stone Oh, it's written down in stone The law is holy, the law is pure And it's written by God The law is faithful forever sure And it's written by God in stone I will follow His commandments I'll abide in Him alone For His law is my delight Oh, it's written down The law brought fire And the law brought flood It brought down judgment From a holy God
And this is Lyle Southwell, and you are with Mon Galash. This is Encounter with God, where we spend our time studying the Bible together. 